Hi, Polini Perspective listeners. Just a heads up today. Um, Lindsay Watts is going to be joining us, who is a Fox 5 journalist and also launched a new podcast at Fox 5 that Patrick's going to tell you about. We do um, have a connection issue midway through the interview, and Patrick um, was dropped out of the interview. So just a heads up, you'll hear him and then you won't. Um, but it's not till the very end of the interview. So here's today's show. So, Patrick, we have a special guest. It's been a hot second since we've had a guest on the Polini Perspective. Um, And I I can't wait to talk to this woman because she lived like a historic day. So tell us who's on today. So we have uh, Fox 5 reporter, Emmy-winning reporter, Lindsay Watts, is on today. Uh, So we wanted to have her on for a variety of reasons. One, you know, she's terrific. Two, she is the host of uh, Fox 5 podcast. That was released two weeks ago called Siege on Democracy. It's a review, a day in the life of a journalist uh, covering the siege on the Capitol. Uh, And I mentioned it last week on our podcast. uh, And I'm not just saying this because, you know, she worked for us. It's it's absolutely riveting. Uh, You know, the first two episodes, like you want more. I I wish it was Netflix. I like I wanted them all downloaded at the same time. You know what I mean? I'm like, I got to wait next week. This is crap. So, uh, Lindsay, welcome. Welcome Thank you. Yeah. Terrific. So um, I guess let's just start, you know, kind of tell us about that day for you and and then the inspiration to uh, turn it into a podcast. The day for me was not quite a, as intense as some of my coworkers, just because I was getting in a little later in the day. And so by the time we got out there, it was around 3.30, I believe. And so a lot of, I mean, I mean, people were still inside the Capitol. There was still things going on. But I think the most intense part of, of the day was a little before we even got out there. But before I even got to work, I heard from a source of mine who told me that someone had been shot inside the Capitol. And I remember I was getting ready and and just sitting there and I thought, oh my God, I mean, you know, what is gonna happen? Who was it that got shot? Could it have been a lawmaker or a staff member? Um, The fact that it had gone to to that level of violence, I remember it just, it shocked me. And as we were driving to the Capitol, um, I remember uh, talking to my photographer Van and. He was like, it's over, you know, they're in there. I mean, people are gonna die. Um, like he really was expecting the worst. And I think he was right that that could have happened. And I remember trying to stay positive and say, well, you know, none, nothing like that has happened yet. We know this one person has been shot, but at this point, nobody else. So um, I think that those are probably the most vivid memories for me. Um, and then it was just about, I think two days later, I had been talking with uh, my managers about doing a podcast about something else. And I was in the kitchen and I was like dancing my baby around because that's how he gets to sleep. And <laughs> it just came into my mind like, okay, we have to do a, a podcast, but it needs to be on what just happened. Mm-hmm. And so that was really, um, and, I, and I remember I, I put down the baby and I emailed right away and said, you know, what do you think about this? I'd love to get get started on it. Yeah, because go ahead, Patrick. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, uh, no, one of the fascinating things about it is, you know, you do talk to, I think Doug Wilkes, who's been a long time, you know, camera photog for us, uh, who's just an all around badass. He was there before you 
Was yeah. Okay. So what's great about the podcast is you incorporate everybody from the Fox Five team that was down there, including Doug. And obviously, Doug has covered stories for years and years and years. And I thought what was so great about it is all of talking about all of your emotions after the fact. So you know, Doug really said, "Oh my God!" All the fear really set in for me after. I kind of stepped away and realized because, you know, these people were turning on you guys. Right. Right. I think, and I, you know, I didn't know, I didn't realize exactly what everybody else had gone through until I called them up and, and, and said, you know, can you do this interview with me? And everybody was so honest about how they felt. And I thought Doug in particular, because, um, you know, I mean, he really, there's even video of, of what he experienced with this guy in his face, screaming at him to get out of the country and people calling him traitors, you know, really zeroing in on him because he had the big news camera and, you know, people were kicking him. Someone ripped off his mask and it's just so sad, you know, it, cause obviously we're, we're all friends and, and we're close beyond just being coworkers and right. um, it really made me feel emotional. It still does thinking back on, on what people shared um our photographer jesse burkett hall who's just the nicest guy and works so hard does incredible work and how he got separated from his reporter and people were telling him that they were going to crack his head they were making um you know references to his sexuality telling him to get out and uh you know i mean he was all alone and what do you do i mean oh my god they're cool but luckily he did not so lindsay so obviously the last several years has been tough on journalists from, you know, the rhetoric from the administration, you know, to certainly, uh, you know, covering COVID and then the summer, uh, you know, the systemic racism issues, and you've done it all without having the ability to come into the station. So you're at home during the day, getting ready for work, like, you're starting to hear the news, like, what, what are you thinking? Like, are you... Like, are you nervous? Are you apprehensive? Do you want to get down there? You know, why, you know, take, take the listeners through some of those thoughts that as a journalist, you'll have heading into a situation like that. Uh, like thinking back on January 6th, yes. sort of how I was feeling. Well, I decided that I was going to do a Peloton ride, which I mean, in <laughs> retrospect, I probably could have skipped that. <laughs> did not need to do the workout that day, but I was on there. And so at that time, it was when they were starting to certify votes. And uh, I remember, you know, they stopped at Arizona as they were going through the the list of states and and then they broke off. And so this was before anything had had happened. But we were we were almost there. Like, it's crazy that, like, you know, it wasn't too long after that, that the chaos really erupted. And so, you know, at that point, we were we were trying after everything started, we were trying to get down there as fast as possible. But to the point of, you know, the way things have changed now. I mean, we had to meet up with our security guards and there was the thought of like, we'll just meet up with them down there because that would kind of be the fastest way to, to just get out there. But how are we going to find them? I mean, that's the trouble that that Jesse actually had when he was just alone there with, with, his, with Ike is that they hadn't met up with their security and they were trying to find them. So we decided, and as did the other nightside crew that was going out there, that we would go to the station and meet up with our security. But then one of our guards was coming, I think, from being out there. So it took a little while for her to get there. So it kind of delayed us. But um, I know Van and I talked a lot about what we wanted to do that day. And, and he 
even more so than me, I would say, was very adamant about, you know, we're going to do this safely. We are not yeah. going to get out there and put ourselves in harm's way. We're not going to go charging anywhere to uh, try to, like, you know, get because your your impulse is always to try to get as close as possible. And that's what I wanted to do is, you know, how close can we get? Can we get like, you know, where are they blocking off and what can we see? What can we do? But I think you have to, you know, it's good to have him as someone to be like, you know, just wait a minute. Like we do have crews that are that are up there a little closer. You know, let's think about the best way that we can actually report on air without people, you know, harassing us, yelling at us and and, and maybe staying a little bit farther back. It's going to help us because we're not going to end up in a mob situation. And and it was true. We, we, we stayed a little farther back and no one bothered us at all for the entire day. I mean, people were walking by, but no one said anything. So that was kind of kind of my day that day. And I think, you know, I continued to report on it in the days following. And I still do. I mean, you know, up until now. Um, and so I think there, so, you know, there's so much more to come with this story. Yeah. So yeah. it's my understanding that the Capitol Police still haven't done a natural press conference on this. Is no. that accurate? No, they have not done any press conferences at all. You know, today the former Capitol Police chief and the sergeants at arms are, are going to be testifying publicly before Congress. And so that's a big deal because, you know, Fox 5, we did talk to the former chief outside of his home. He did this interview with us. So we were able to talk to him. Um, but yeah, it's just been such a such a limited amount of information. And it's shocking, you know, to think about how much time has passed and they're not going to hold one single press conference. Yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing. Yeah, that is that is amazing, Lindsay. Um, in this in your podcast, are we going to hear from that day? Do, were you able to actually speak to some of the protesters to try to get perspective on? I guess how it kind of got to that point, you know, prior to that, there were people that were peacefully protesting. Um, and then obviously it escalated. And a lot of people have a lot of thoughts on that, whether the president instigated that or not at the time. So are we going to hear some of those interviews or were people so combative? You guys really, once that started, you never got any interviews. From that day, I don't know of anyone who got interviews out there, which I wish in retrospect, I wish that I had made that a priority. I wish that other people had made it a priority. I do see why, you know, that didn't happen. But (laughs) so after the fact, as I'm working on the podcast, and the charging documents are coming out. I sat in my car for like two hours and just started calling. Just started cold calling people. I mean, you know, have, having to look up their phone numbers and like, you know, see if some of the numbers were wrong. But I was just sitting there. I mean, have these people arrested have my have my phone number now because <laughs> I called so many and I talked to some. Um, and then finally, it wasn't that day. I, so after that, I just continued to sort of monitor the charging documents and like I would see new ones and I'd be like making the calls. And so finally, I found someone who was willing to talk. And it's going to be in the episode that's coming out later tonight. Her, oh. name, is, her name is Tammy Bronsberg, okay. and she's a grandmother of seven. She lives in Pennsylvania, and uh, she was very candid and and really just said why she decided to do it and admitted that she did it, and um, you know laid it all out there. Oh my God, she's going to be fascinating. And uh, not to give too much away, but has she been charged? I talked to her a few days after the FBI came and raided her home. But so many of these people are being released. So she was released on her own recognizance. Okay. So I talked to her just a few days after that. And then, you know, we continued to talk a little bit on Facebook Messenger. She actually wanted to listen to the first episode of the podcast. 
I was like, Tammy, like, you're not in this one. Like, you probably are not going to be interested, right? But she's like, no, I really want to hear it. And then she listened to it. And then she said, you know, I'm sorry that your coworkers experienced this. She kind of talked to me about some conspiracy theories that she had been hearing. And I was like, no, you know, it's not, it's not true. And then eventually her account just like went, went away. And like, I don't know if her attorney was like, hey, stop this. Or if she just decided to delete her account, I don't know. But, you know, we actually had some, you know, talking time even after I interviewed her. Wow. Wow. So, so Lindsay, one, one of the, um, you know, certainly in the first episode, Tom Fitzgerald, our uh, reporter who was actually in the Capitol when, you know, the chaos started erupting, um, had to go into a locked, uh, I guess it was a utility closet of some sort. Um, I mean, it, it was, it was like amazing. Like they're just saying like, you, you better bolt yourself in, you know, and they, they put a, I mean, you could tell us better cause you, you spoke to him, but they had to put like a, a tool, uh, you know, one of those like heavy duty tool, uh, cases or you know they're on wheels in front of the door and some other things i mean i i can't even imagine having to you know shelter in place as a journalist inside the capitol i didn't realize it, all that he went through and all that he saw down there because he's in like the basement of the capitol where the, there are these tunnels and uh you know initially he was kind of standing in the tunnels you saw a bunch of capitol police officers that had been injured coming through and then eventually they were like you know you, i think it was soon after the woman was shot they said you all have to get somewhere now and barricade and you know where where are you gonna go it's not like you have a, a place that's that's handy but i guess i haven't been down there i guess there are a lot of these different little rooms that people um then went into and you know they're not large areas and I wonder, you know, Tom seemed like he had a level head and um, really tried to, you know, keep it together. And he reported on air flawlessly. Yeah, which but, is amazing. He yeah. was able to report on air the entire time from from the room. So, like, if you're claustrophobic, I could not imagine some people or like you have anxiety issues and you're trapped, literally trapped in a tiny room in the basement, and you just know what's going on, and you don't even know when you can get out of there. I mean, just. To, the uh, the stress that that could cause somebody. I mean, that's that's a lot. Yeah. yeah. Crazy, crazy. I I did want to ask you, do, you know, what's your opinion on? I mean, do you think the FBI is going to truly hold as many of these individuals accountable? Like, I I hope this just doesn't kind of dissipate, and you know, like you know, my I'm hoping people are truly held accountable and prosecuted and. But it just seems like it's going to take a while for them to really dig into exactly what occurred and who was involved and who did what down there. Yeah, I, I haven't heard of anybody yet who's been identified as being in the Capitol and they just don't charge them because they're still putting out all these pictures, hundreds and hundreds of pictures of people they're trying to identify. And I wouldn't think they would do that if they weren't actually trying to find these, these people and hold them accountable. Um, I just wonder what kind of penalties they'll actually face when all is said and done. Like for example, Tammy is not, it's not alleged that she did anything violent. So those people that are just kind of went into the Capitol and shouldn't have are facing like a year and a half in, in prison up to a hundred thousand dollars in fines. So you have to imagine there's going to be a lot of deals that are mm -hmm. cut. Um, I actually, for this episode of the podcast, I talked to 
former deputy attorney general, Rod Rosenstein, oh, which was like, it was a huge get. I have to give credit to yeah. Rosa on our assignment desk. She just that's reached a, out. That's and a like, great yeah. So he, we talked to him about all kinds of things beyond the, uh, January 6th, but, um, you know, just with his experience, he's with the Justice Department for 30 years. Now he's doing criminal defense work. So he added, you know, an interesting perspective. He said that I think it's like 90% of federal cases don't even go to trial. So there's just a lot of deals that happen. And so my curiosity is what what kind of deals are, are we going to see for for people? And could anyone actually spend like 20 years in prison? Um, like yeah, my, and my, and, yeah, my guess is they'll they'll have you know people turning witness on other people and cutting deals and all. I don't you feel like well, Lindsay, what's your opinion? Don't you think some of the big players? I mean, obviously the the QAnon shaman, some of these higher profile people, I think are probably going to be made examples of. Do you, would you agree with that or kind of hard to speculate? Uh, I would, you know, and it's funny because I talked to his attorney for this episode as well. You do? Oh, you got yeah. it all. Okay. She's, yeah. burying, she's burying the lead. Yes. <laughs> what the QAnon shaman guy? Because of course he you know, is, he's his attorney. Hey, I couldn't talk to him because he's he's still locked up. I mean, to your point of like, oh yeah, you know, these people cannot get out. I mean, even pre-trial. And uh, you know, and, and the QAnon shaman, there's a lot to say about. I mean, he wrote a note for Mike Pence and left it there, and then you know, he just spilled his gut to the FBI. He called Mike Pence a child trafficking traitor to the FBI. And then told them, like, I'm about to go to the Arizona State Capitol. I have all my gear in the car. And so that was when he was arrested. And he hasn't seen the light of day since then. Um, but, I mean, you can't imagine that that somebody like that would just get a slap on, on the wrist and no jail time beyond, you know, what he's served. Right. But it's a mystery. You know, I mean, it's just it's very, you know, very much uh, time will tell kind of how these cases actually turn out once they go through the system. And oh, okay, wait, did you finish your, your thought? Cause I think I kind of jumped in there. Um, so when you were talking to um, Rosenstein, what did he say? He said it's, it, they're going to cut a lot of deals and probably like the grandmother in Pennsylvania, if she doesn't have a past criminal record, it's, it is probably going to be hard to see her do much time, right? Like maybe she pays $20,000 fine probation. Yes, that's exactly what he said. He said yeah. he thought a lot of people would not actually see prison time based on their past criminal rest record and just, you know, the, the more minor offenses is, is, is what he believes is going to be the outcome. And I also asked him about the argument that some attorneys and, and some of these huge writers are trying to make that the president incited this, that they felt that he told them to do this and that he wanted them to do this. And like the QAnon shaman's attorney is definitely making that case and saying, you know, this guy like followed around President Trump, like, you know, like the Grateful Dead, like he was like a deadhead, like going to different rallies. And he he fell in love with him, you know, in, in the in the sense of, you know, not a sexual way, but like he became obsessed with him. Yeah, kind of like and a cult that's, leader sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. He even brought up. Um, who is it? Uh, who's the the one? He brought up one of the well-known cult leaders, and I was like, yeah. "Wow!" I mean, he's Wait, really going all in. Is it Keith Raniere from uh, Nexium? No, oh. I, Jim Jones. It's Jim Jones. One of the Jim guys. Jones. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's yeah. a big one. Okay, so that, that, so he's bringing that up, and uh, so I was asking Rosenstein about that, and you know, because it actually seems like it could be a decent defense, right? I mean, the leader of the free world, and he's said some things that people. I mean, he was impeached. He was impeached. It would have been interesting. I would, have, you know. If you could ask Rod again, you know, if, if Trump had been convicted of the impeachment, 
I wonder if that would have helped a lot of these uh, people arrested make their case where he did, he was convicted for inciting. I, my guess is that would have actually helped them in, in, in some weird way. What Rod is saying is that it doesn't matter. Like if you're going to go out and say like somebody told my client to do this, like he actually laughed, like he, he, he like full on laughed and he's like, you know, you're just basically like throwing the case away because you're, you're admitting, you know, the person did it. And like, it's just, it's not a defense that like, oh, but, but someone told them, even if it is as high up as the president. However, he did say that he thought that this could be something that could make a difference at sentencing, that perhaps the judge would hear that. Um, and, and, and decide. So it could actually make a difference, but he just doesn't think in terms of, um, you know, like if it did go to trial or, or the actual charges themselves, he doesn't think that, that it would matter for that. But I mean, in the end, it could, it could factor in. Do, do you think a lot of these people were QAnons? I, I actually watched the 60 Minutes yeah. uh, uh, on Sunday night and they did, you know, a segment on QAnon. And it was amazing to me. I mean, people who, you know, lawyers and doctors and, you know, like, you know, people with, you know, PhDs who just over the last several years got so convinced that these conspiracy theories were, were true and, and that somehow Trump was the savior, to, you know, so to speak. Um, you know, I don't know if there's something there from a defense standpoint as well. Probably not, but uh you know, I wonder what percentage of the people actually went into the Capitol were, you know, either believers or involved in, in QAnon. I think a lot. I really do. I think that the people there were the the most the most hardcore believers of conspiracy theories. And I think a lot of times, if you're going to believe one, you know, you're very open to believing others. So I think that's very very true that a large majority. That's really sucked in. Lindsay, I'm, I'm curious because, you know, like Patrick said, you, you've got so many great guests on this show. So I, I want you to promote like who else is coming up because you've got some great guests. But it, did you think about talking to a psychologist or somebody um, about, because Patrick's right. I mean, the fascinating thing is smart people. I mean, one of the most, I thought, crazy people in there was that five-star general who, you know, had a long history in the army and military was very high up and was then in there in the Capitol storming. And, you know, of course, once he realized how serious it was, of course, has all these regrets, but it's too late. And did you think about that angle at all, or is that going to be addressed? I'm just, the mental part of it's fascinating. Yeah, you know, that's a good idea. Like, I would say the podcast is very open-ended as far as where we are now. I mean, I don't have it all planned out. It's kind of, you know, as things, as we get good interviews and as good topics sort of come to mind. But I think that's a good one because I was reading something that I thought was fascinating about how um, the pandemic has actually played a role because during times of uncertainty like this, um, you know, people people want a scapegoat and people are, are, you know, it's stressful and it's uncertain and then people are more likely to gravitate toward these things. And so it's kind of made a perfect storm in some ways um, because of all the uh, all the different factors. But I think you could definitely do a whole episode on conspiracy theories and QAnon in particular. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, that's like so fascinating because he's right. It's like, how are these people... Um, you know, the other person I think of is the guy who stole Nancy Pelosi's lecture there or whatever, who's a father of four. His wife's a doctor in Florida. You think this man didn't have anything else to do? I mean, you know, it's like you have a lot to lose and you come up here. It, the people, the profiles were really, you know, and of course, then you get them in a gang mentality. And, you know, I mean, no one's but, thinking straight. 
The one that was craziest to me, because I've read through a lot of the arrest records, was the former Olympic swimmer who was with Michael Phelps. He won Olympic gold medals, was an American hero at the Olympics. And he wore his coat. He wore his Team USA jacket in there. He's this huge, tall guy. So, like, he was identified very fast. But, you know... What? <laughs> I know. What? I, I, yeah, you're. Oh, oh gosh, what's his name? Is it Kelt, Kelty, or? Uh, yeah, um, Cleet Keller. Cleet Keller. Thank you. Thank. You. Yes. Uh, agreed. Agreed. How somebody, you know, uh, believes all these things, but I, I do think. I mean, I guess um, Rod is right in the sense you can't really make an argument about Trump, but obviously, you know, my personal opinion is he really incited that. Um, We may get Patrick back. We may not. He had a lost connection. Um, Tell us, I want to know, though, who else? Of course, this podcast is unfolding. Um, It's going to continue, especially as we hear from Capitol Police and more things come out. But any other guests you can tease um, or even episodes that have already been released who's really fascinating that you got? So the one that I need to finish up like today, I need to get this all done. <laughs> I, I think this is very fascinating and like a bigger story. It's kind of a microcosm, but so it's a, it's this family that lives in Texas and the dad went to DC. He was arrested. The FBI came into their home, took him away. He oh. remains locked up. It turns out his teenage son contacted the FBI about his dad. Yes. Before, before, this all happened because he thought that his dad, you know, it's interesting. He he described it as, you know, he believes his dad was manipulated. Yes. Manipulated by Trump. And that his dad really changed very drastically over the last two years and just became, you know, a believer in all the conspiracy theories. And, uh, you know, he went to D.C. He's wearing like a tactical vest, wearing a helmet. You know, his son knew that he took guns to D.C. So talk to the, to the teenage son, but also to the, the man's wife, um, who, you know, is, is now with, in the home with, with the teenage daughter and just about like this, this way that everything has just ripped apart their family. Oh, and, uh, you know, she's not happy with the son and feels like he did this, I think out of spite because of a rift between him and his dad that she said really blew up over the summer with Black Lives Matter. His dad was out trying to defend um, different buildings in, in Dallas as the protests were happening. So he, I think he was, you know, armed out there and, you know, kind of serving as sure citizen, you know, citizenry uh, defense. And, you know, the son is a supporter of Black Lives Matter and um, they would just butt heads and fight. And, you know, I mean, I don't think that's particularly uncommon right now. Sure. But and within families that it played out is crazy. Yeah. And, and what a great, oh my God, what a great interview. Because I do think I even read at one point, you know, after the son had turned him in, you know, the son felt good about it. But then of course, and I'm sure like any family would, then had regrets about it and, and felt, you know, kind of guilty. And I'm sure that has created, you know, a lot of emotional difficulty in their family. Yeah, just a huge divide, and he's, I think, living away. And so the mom is like, you know, I lost my husband and my son. Um, wow. And the family really has just fractured over this. And uh, and then you kind of think about, you know, I mean, it's just happened to a lot of people. People have lost friends. People have, you know, separated from family because 
the, the politics got too just too divisive and you know, I got to unfriend so-and-so on Facebook and cut off Aunt Jean or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that's, it's not like that's brand new, but in the last few years, I feel like it's just become so common. And it's so unfortunate, you know, that like a family would split apart because of politics and, and beliefs and, and all of that. Totally. <laughs> well, and how we're going to move forward as a country, because I think, you know, well, my political beliefs aside, but I do think we have some bigger adversaries that are loving the fact that we are kind of imploding from within. You know, we know um, certainly how Vladimir, you know, President Putin in Russia has benefited from the chaos, um, you know, has obviously messed with our 2016 election. You know, you do have foreign foreign assets that are loving seeing what's happening, you know, so I hope as a nation, we're smart enough to also see the bigger picture here of what's going on, because there's many facts. I hope it's going to get better. I feel like it, I don't know. I feel like it's maybe starting to move in, in that I direction. Too. I do too. But, I mean, yeah. And I wondered, I'm curious as a reporter, if you feel that way, like out on the street, it seems like there's a level of calm, but you know, I mean, the question is, will they, will social media outlets allow president Trump back on, you know, it's quiet, right. I think, because he has no platform. Yeah. It's so true. Like, you know, without, and it's, it's bizarre because you realize how, you know, he was just such a presence in everybody's day to day life. And now he's just gone. I mean, there's there's just nothing very little that you hear from him at this point. But, you know, I mean, you, you I'd always look. I don't know why I would do this either, but I would look at like his Facebook posts or his tweets and just like the arguments that would erupt even just underneath. And people would just be like ready to like comment and attack him. And then people would be there to defend him. And like it's like people would spend their whole day just fighting back and forth like thousands and thousands and thousands of comments, you know, and it's like, okay, you know, it just, it's not productive. No, not productive. I mean, and personally, I mean, I, I, I love seeing him off social media. I hope they don't reinstate, you know, of course people say freedom of speech, freedom of speech, but the, you know, these are private companies, they have rules and they can make the decisions of who's on it, who's not. Um, but anyway, that's my own personal belief. Um, so it, it you don't have a set necessary number of podcast episodes, right? Because you're going to kind of see what plays out. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, we'll put the one out today. We'll put one out next week. We'll put out another one and then maybe just take a little break and just try to get some more good content. Like I, I do see it definitely continuing beyond that. And um, you know, we'll be at like five, six episodes and, and maybe doing, you know, five, six more as time progresses. I think there will be enough uh, content and enough ideas and, and just enough to talk about that we could keep it going into the future. But because it's so produced, it just takes, it's so, it's so time consuming. Yes, um, we were talking yeah, about that. Yes. <laughs> Podcasting and especially a political podcast like yours takes a long time to produce. Um, I, I had one follow-up question for you. Um, oh, is there any indication of how quickly, obviously, you know, we know uh, President Trump was not um, found guilty or, or acquitted in the impeachment trial. Any indication of when we might see the first trial start to take place for people like the QAnon shaman and some of these more out there people, you know, that were really kind of the faces of this? It's moving pretty slowly. Okay. And I have not gotten word of any kind of re- resolution in any of these cases yet. So I don't know. I, I don't know when. I, you'd think fairly soon. Um, but it, I think the federal system is, is a bit different. And, you know, there's so many of these cases, too. I, I feel like some of them are, I don't know. You could see, like, if 
few years from now that some of them would still be going on. Yeah, I wondered um, what Rod thought, like if there is an urgency to, you know, make examples of, of individuals or try them and kind of move past this, you know, really difficult time in our country, or like you said, you know, the federal side of it, obviously. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, they're just kind of doing their due diligence and, and probably not hurrying or, or rushing anything, you know, more than they would typically do for, for any case. So right. I just think it's going to be, it's going to be a while. Um, well, you've been amazing. Thank you for joining the Polini Perspective. Um, we, we lost Patrick, but I know he was really excited to have you on, and everybody um, at Fox 5 is very excited about this podcast. Um, new episodes drop every Tuesday, every Wednesday? Yes, Wednesday. I think uh, tonight we're going to get the um, new episode out a little earlier than usual, and, and we're going to have more with that Rod Rosenstein interview on our news tonight at 10 and 11. Okay. Because we didn't just talk about the the riot, you know, it, it, it wasn't that long ago that he was very much in the news. Remember, people said that he wanted to wear a wire to record the president. Yes. And, and there was all that. And, you know, the president tweeted like a picture of him saying that he should be jailed for treason. Like while he was deputy attorney general, he was like part of this like picture. Like <laughs> There's just so much. Uh, there's so much. And I had to kind of go back in time to, to remember and you know, get get kind of good good questions together based on everything because he hasn't done any interviews, not like this, not any since he left the uh, Justice Department. So I was a little nervous about it. I was like, wow, you know, it's, it's pretty incredible that he's. Isn't it amazing sometimes what you get when you just ask for it? it I, that shocks me too in my own pop culture podcast. People I think will never come on, and then their people respond. They're like, yeah, we're available. I'm like, what? You just gotta ask sometimes. So and sometimes it's like the timing. You just have yeah. that time where. Okay, yeah, I got some time free on Monday, so I'll do it. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, Lindsay, great job on the podcast. It's called Siege on Democracy. It's out, you know, if you go to fox5dc.com, it's pretty prominent there. You can find it. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, anywhere podcasts are distributed. Where can people follow you personally? Um, on Twitter, it's probably where I'm most active. Um, it's Lindsay A. Watts, but... I'm posting on Facebook and Instagram as well. If you just search Lindsay Watts, Lindsay with an A. And uh, yeah, I mean, I hope people check out the podcast. I don't even listen to a lot of podcasts. I wish, you know, I, I just, I don't have a lot of time to do it. So I feel like, you know, I, I try to create this one um, for people that maybe don't listen to podcasts too much. To, you know, it's why we wanted to make it so produced just to, to really grab people's attention. And so if you're not a podcast person, I guess if you're listening to this, you probably are. But <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, um, no, I think you I, I hope you attract a broader audience. I think you balance that really well because you you have a lot of interviews in there. You're right. You can't ever sort of you don't dip because, you know, then somebody else is coming in talking about their experience. And so it's it's really well produced. Um, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This was great. Yeah, thank you. I'm so glad to be here, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Thanks to Patrick, and um, he can't get back in, he says, so that's it. <laughs> oh, oh, that's disappointing. Well, Sorry, um, Sorry Patrick. I appreciate, him, uh, appreciate him asking me to, to be part of this. Very cool. Awesome. <laughs> 